Hello everyone. Welcome to the Game Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Łukasz Ściga, and this show is about 3D graphics programming, low-level video game development, where we demystify game engines, rendering pipelines, physics, linear algebra, and all sorts of other obscure parts of game engineering. Sit back and enjoy the show. Last episode I talked about scene hierarchy and global and local positions, how objects are being transformed before being rendered. If you don't have any recollection about translation, scaling and rotation, matrix multiplication, all of that good stuff, go watch the previous episode, I will draw on the experience from there. Today I'm gonna cover the remaining transformations, the camera transformation and projections, either orthographic or perspective. You might recall you ended up with the capability to scale, rotate and translate the models. You did that by providing 4x4 matrices, which you multiplied by 3D points of the models. Matrix multiplication describes a general transformation in our 3D world. Now you need to find the mathematical equivalent of saying, I want this scene, but scene from that place over there. That's the purpose of the camera and its associated transformation. Again, let me be clear here. There are no camera objects on the GPU. It doesn't have a notion of such thing. Picture a first-person shooter for a second. You can walk forward, look around, or can you? What is actually happening is that the whole scene is being rotated and moved, but you are standing in the same place. You need to imitate this reverse effect with the help of your graphics library. How to do that? Picture a scene and a camera, or as it's sometimes referred to, an eye. Objects on your scene have the positions in a 3D coordinate system, Cartesian system, with some point being an origin. In this system, there is a point which we call a camera. Imagine yourself at this point, actually looking at the scene from a desired angle. You know the direction you're looking towards. You also know which direction is up from where you're standing and where the right direction is. You, or a camera, has its own 3D coordinate system associated with it. So, what are you waiting for? You already have all of the pieces. You want to first rotate the models for them to achieve the orientation that you have for the camera. You know from the last episode that you can do that by providing a matrix. It so happens that if you create a matrix out of vectors that make up your 3D coordinate system, you can use it as a rotation matrix that will happily orient your 3D models towards the direction of your coordinate system. Camera, apart from its orientation, is also in a different place. So you need translation as well. But that's also nothing new. Once you multiply those matrices together, you get what is called a look-at matrix. It's a known concept in graphics programming, therefore libraries often provide you with functions that can create this matrix once you provide the needed details, like camera position, what the camera is looking at, and which direction is up for a camera. With camera transformation done, the last piece remaining are the projections. Those come in two flavors, perspective and orthographic. 
These are the last transformations in the 3D part of the pipeline, so you need to end up with so-called normalized device coordinates after this operation. The coordinates up until now could be in meters or any given scale really. NDC are from minus 1 to 1. This is also where the term view frustum appears. Frustum is a 3D shape that helps to determine which objects are visible and ought to be rendered and which objects are outside of the area that we care about. Frustum looks differently depending on whether you use orthographic or perspective projection. Let's start with orthographic. This projection might feel closer to the computer world and how machines see the world. Technically speaking, in orthographic projection, all parallel lines remain parallel. Nothing is being scaled up or down, and it is easy to compare the sizes of the objects. This is also an ungodly way of looking at the world. It seems weird and artificial for a human being. You might remember this from architecture lessons in school where you needed to do technical drawings, where each line had to be perfect and there was no option to control Z or weight out of the mistakes. A view frustum in this projection is like a regular box, rectangular prism. This means it's a set of six planes, left, right, up, down, near and far. A plane can be mathematically defined as a direction vector and the scalar value corresponding to the position on the axis. When you know the size of the image you want to render, you can easily compute the first four of the planes. For the near and far plane, you know the direction vectors. It's a forward direction and backward direction. You need to pick the value somewhat arbitrarily depending on your scene. It's usually about 1 for the near plane and can be 100 for the far plane. The farther the far plane, the more things will need to be rendered. But if the far plane will not be far enough, it will not render things that should be visible. Now, with the formulas for six planes, you can derive from them a matrix for a transformation that will change the coordinates left by the camera to your desired normalized device coordinates. Thankfully, libraries are being helpful here one more time, and they hand you nifty little functions that can do that for you. That was the orthographic projection. Now it's time to include the perspective. Before we dive into this process, Stop and think about it a little bit. You, a human being, happily marching through this barren land, rarely stop to think that the objects look different depending on the position you observe them from. Mind you, the objects remain still. They ain't moving. That's you who is introducing a change, not them. You take a step back, and now the object is looking differently. This touches on a major philosophical issue that is present in current times as well, the war between the objective and the subjective. What can you say about the tree that you're sure is true? You yourself see the same tree differently. You don't even know how to communicate the color of the tree, what green even means for you. Anyway, perspective projection. We need to make the objects that are further, far away from the camera, look smaller compared to those which are near. I mentioned the view frustum. 
in an orthographic projection, it had the shape of a rectangular box. In a scene with a perspective projection, the lines that go backwards seem to converge at some point behind you. The view frustum here looks like a pyramid with its top cut off. It has a base of a 2D rectangle which will imitate your screen and lines growing from your monitor forward, far far, until they will reach another base, 2D rectangle, larger than the first one. View frustum can still be defined as 6 planes, but they are no longer orthogonal to each other. To compute the planes, we will need to have another parameter that will refer to the angle of the frustum. This value is often customizable through settings in 3D games. Take a second to guess what the setting is. 3, 2, 1, it's a field of view. The higher it is, the more stuff you see, and the more you want to vomit during the gameplay. Okay, perspective projection will also need to convert the coordinates into the NDC, so from minus 1 to 1, but on top of that, it will make models smaller depending on how far they are. It is difficult to walk through this process in a meaningful way in an audio episode, but I encourage you to take a piece of paper and using trigonometry from high school, attempt to scale down a 2D slice of a scene. Thankfully, again, you can leverage libraries and provide the needed details, and a matrix will be created for you. I should also note that projections use the fourth pseudo-dimension to achieve its results. It's another factor that brought 4x4 matrices in graphics programming into existence. With projections covered, you have now a full view of data transformations in the pipeline. I deliberately skipped some of the terminology earlier, now it's time to rectify it. Matrices used for these operations have unique names assigned to them. Model matrix, view matrix, and projection matrix. Model matrix is the result of all your scaling, rotating and translating combined. Different 3D models on your scene will have different model matrices associated with them. Next is the view matrix. This is the look at matrix associated with the camera. And last but not least, projection matrix encoding perspective or orthogonal projection, most often attached in your game engine to the camera as well. Those transformations are often referred to as MVP based on the first letters. You might have already realized that during those transformations, after each step you end up using a different coordinate system. You start from the so-called object space or local space. This is the coordinate system your model is in when you export it from a modeling software. After applying the model matrix, so after moving it around the scene, you're dealing with world space. View matrix takes you from there to the view space. And from there, after the projection matrix, you end up in clip space. As the name suggests, that's where the clipping will happen for all of the things that are outside of minus one to one coordinates. After the clipping and late in the rendering pipeline, you'll get into the screen space. You might have already experienced these various coordinate systems trying to piece together the most basic ray casting example in your game. It's not uncommon to mix the view space with the screen space and perform operations on vectors that are in different coordinate systems, receiving weird results nowhere close to your expectations. The foray into those MVP details 
might give you more confidence while dealing with such problems. Before putting an end to this episode, let me address one issue that I have not been clear about. Which of these operations happen on the CPU and which on the GPU? The CPU is responsible for creating the matrices and uploading them to the GPU's memory. Then it's the GPU's work to multiply the matrices and transform the vertices inside the vertex shader. With that tied back to the rendering pipeline, let me recap the parts of the graphics programming that I covered so far in this series. After importing a 3D model from a software like Blender, game engines provide you with the ability to move, scale or rotate the model. You also have camera components that imitate the viewer and apply usually a perspective projection. These transformations happen during a vertex shader in the GPU. After that, tessellation and geometry shader is being run and from thinking in terms of vertices, the rendering pipeline starts to think in terms of the primitives like triangles. Then the rasterizer is able to map the 2D screen fragments to parts of the primitives and after it does that, Fragment shader is being run, determining the color for each of the pixels. Yes, colors. That's the next part that is missing. How to provide colors for the 3D model? It seems like the subject for the next episode came quite naturally. I'd like to thank you for your time and attention today. I am Łukasz Ściga and this was the Game Engineering Podcast. Thanks.